For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There was Roy Williams' emotional return to Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas. Old Roy sitting courtside at Michigan State. He even traded in a Carolina blue half zip for a Bearcat one in Cincinnati. And just last month, the Hall of Famer was honored on his own home court during a 20-point blowout win against his all-time rival, NC State. Despite retirement, Roy has logged the miles this season, so surely he'd make that 22-mile drive to catch round two with the pack, right? You asked me to text. I did. Are you going to PNC on Saturday night? Yeah. Roy Williams. No, thank you. Casey Hintz, WREL Sports, Raleigh. Roy Williams was quick with names and good with a whistle. The story of how he made it to the top with two of the Blue Blood programs in college basketball has been told. But not like this, and not with this type of honesty and insight from that dadgum legend himself. Now, the Roy That Dadgum Legend podcast. So, Jillio, when we initially talked to former North Carolina head basketball coach Roy Williams in September for this podcast project, little did we know that he was about to embark on what ended up being a pretty sweet retirement tour, visiting former players, former assistants, dotting all over the country, and then getting to watch the guy he wanted to be the head coach at North Carolina not just beat Duke in the final home game at Cameron Indoor Stadium against Mike Krzyzewski. They did it again in the Final Four, and he was a fan. He got to enjoy New Orleans in a completely different way. It all worked out for a guy who was beating himself up earlier that April. Yeah, I think there's there's two different ways you can look at this. I think you have the guy in the press conference who's saying to himself, I can't do this anymore. I'm not the right person for the job. The last two years have been really hard. 2020, we had so many injuries, yes. It was uh, this year before we get into the tournament, I, the ACC tournament, I saw that a box score from we played Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech during that season. We only played seven guys. We didn't have Brandon Robinson, didn't have Cole Anthony, and uh, we lost in double overtime. The injuries really did hurt, but I, I felt that I made mistakes. We were up three against Clemson, and I didn't remind the guys to foul. They make a three and send it to overtime, and we lost. Up three against Duke, and we did foul. And young man from Duke did one of the greatest things I've ever seen, bouncing that ball off the front of the rim and making that basket. But that time I fouled, and it didn't work out either, and we lost in overtime. We had six games last year that were decided on last-second shots. We, all, we lost all six of those. 
My first year as Coach Smith's assistant, we had five games where the other team had the last shot that would have won the game, and they missed all five. That was the difference between me and Coach Smith. Everybody wants to know the reason, and the reason is very simple. Every time somebody asked me how long I was going to go, I would always say, as long as my health allows me to do it. But deep down inside, I knew that the only thing that would speed that up if I did not feel that I was any longer the right man for the job. I'm not going to say the best man because I never thought I was the best at anything. But 15 years at Kansas, I thought I was the right man. And this time at North Carolina, I thought I was the right man. I no longer feel that I am the right man for the job. But the biggest reason we're having this meeting is I just don't feel that I'm the right man any longer. I love coaching, working with kids on the court, the locker room, the trips, the jump around music, the trying to build a team. I will always love that, and I'm scared to death of the next phase. But I no longer feel that I'm the right man. And you have, of course, you know, thousands, if not millions of UNC fans going, eh, we're not so sure about that because you're pretty good. You could, you could do this. But he was the one who knew with this group, he, whatever he was doing couldn't connect with the group. You saw what you were Davis was able to do with this group after uh, um, an interesting start, if you will. You know, the 8-3 and three start to the season where they lose to Kentucky by 29. And I'm sure all of those Carolina fans wanted Roy Williams back at that point. Mm. But you saw Hubert Davis's ability to connect to the players, to motivate the players in a way that obviously even Roy couldn't do. And I think at that time, when we talked to him in September, I think Roy had a concept of what he wanted to do this season in terms of getting back to Kansas to see a game, which he had not been able to do. Um, going to see Tom Izzo, one of his friends at Michigan State. Going to see Bob Huggins, one of his friends at um, West Virginia. And then you had the former players. Like I even remember saying to he said to me, I was supposed to go to Cincinnati to see Wes Miller. And I said to him, you sure you want to do that? Because this was pretty early in the season. Mm-hmm. And this is when some people were clamoring for Wes Miller. And I was kind of like, you know, if you do that, people are going to take that as some sort of sign that, oh, see, even Roy thinks we made a mistake. And he was like, no, it's a chance for me to go see the people who have meant the most to me throughout my career. And he did it all with Wanda, his wife, Mm -hmm. which is why I told you he would not come to the game at State because um, I knew she would have no interest in going to PNC Arena for any game ever again. Um, But obviously, it turned out to be a pretty nice deal in his retirement. He had his uh, knee surgery as well, but it turned out to be a pretty nice deal be able to spend some time during the basketball season with his wife in a way, you know, that he had never been able to do before. Now, I want to get back to Roy Williams and NC State specifically, because I do feel that his proper send-off happened in Chapel Hill with NC State in town. But I wanted to go back quickly to the concept of the Carolina family. Because like you said, the optics of Roy Williams visiting West Miller at that time were interesting for people who are into that sort of thing but it's a concept that we clearly do not understand because we've never been in it and even people who have been around the university for a very long time and making big decisions specifically 
Athletics Director Bubba Cunningham. Even he learned lessons about the Carolina family because I thought it was interesting when we talked to Bubba Cunningham on April 6th that he had mentioned learning a lot. And one of the common themes was when he talked to other people that might have been associated with the job before Hubert Davis was named officially as the next head coach was a recurring theme of, I just want Carolina to do well. I want them to be successful. If it's not me, so be it. But the, that person, is the that's the person. And I thought that was interesting. Well, I, I learned a lot when we dedicated the court for Roy Williams and all the players came back and I really developed some personal relationships with those guys. And then over the last five days, I've called so many of them and the way they have expressed themselves about the commitment, the dedication, the loyalty they have to the program and their selflessness about what's next for the program. It was all about making sure that we honored traditions and history of the place and that we were competitive at every single level. And, you know, some of them had the ambition that they wanted to be the head coach, but at the end of the call, they would all say, but all I want to do is make sure that we're good. If it's me, wonderful. If it's not, I'll support what you do next. And when you hear that over and over and over, it just, you know, you think you understand it and feel it, Mm -hmm. but until you experience it, like I did, and there were so many from multiple generations that expressed such similar ideas and concepts. That's, that's when I really felt, you know, this isn't um, fabricated. This isn't just talked about. These guys live it every day. And that, that, that was the difference for me in, in what I've learned in the last five days. Bubba Cunningham, North Carolina AD, joining us here on the OG. That's Joe Obvious. I'm Joe Gileo. Bubba, I'm curious, uh, in any of the time before your conversations with Roy, after he told you he was going to re- retire, I'm curious, at any point between then and 2012, did you ever have a conversation with him about Hubert's potential as a head coach? Um, no. we um, No, I've had a couple of conversations with, with uh, Roy about, he was getting close a different a couple of different times in different circumstances. And, um, you know, we've always kind of dealt with that at the time, but, um, we, we did not say, okay, Hey, this is going to happen this time. And this is what we need to do. No, it was much more in generalities and he wasn't sure, you know, he, he didn't really come to the realization until recently either. So it wasn't as if this was something that was, you know, sitting in our drawer saying, okay, Okay, we got a good April Fool's joke coming up. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> and then I was going to bring out Sid Finch so that Sid would be our next uh, basketball coach. So, now, deep cut. Yeah, so what were those conversations like with Roy once he'd said to you, I'm going to retire? Was I mean, we have this concept of Roy like uh, being the Pope and trying to name his next successor here in Hubert. Was he that much of an advocate for, for Hubert the way that, you know, Dean Smith was for Roy with Kansas? How did some of that come? How did some of those conversations go between you and Roy? Well, I would say one of the things I'm most proud of is um, my personal relationship with Roy and how that's developed over the last 10 years. I mean, you know, it, you know, when I first got here, it, you know, I have to admit it wasn't great. Right. And over time, we've built a really solid relationship of of respect. And um, he he you know, he had an idea of what he thought we should do. 
and I had an idea of what I thought we should do and how we should go about doing it. And uh, we agreed on the the process, and um, and I kept him informed of what I was thinking and how I was going about it. And I had, and he told me when he was going to retire that he said, "Look, I understand. I'm the basketball coach. You're the AD, and you have a decision to make. And I have my opinion." And, and I want to express that. And I said, that's great. And I have a responsibility and I need to make a decision and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it the way that I think is best. And, um, and, you know, we probably couldn't have that conversation five years ago, but it it was really solid. And, um, and so that's where we ended up and I followed the process I thought was appropriate. And, um, we, we came out with Hubert Davis being the head coach. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So back to Chapel Hill. NC State is in town. They honor the 1982 championship team, Michael Jordan and the crew there. But really, it was about Roy Williams. And he got to do a halftime speech that was emotional and also spicy because we all know Roy Williams absolutely has no time for NC State. Thank you. And I'm sorry that you're having to watch all the commercials at every daggum break. (laughs) I love being your coach. I love you. The girl in our office named Kay Chase, Eric Hoots in our office. It was Kay's idea. She said, Coach, we can't just let you retire and walk off. We have to have some closure. Kay's idea to do this, and the bad thing is, Kay's father passed away on Wednesday. Kay cannot be here tonight. So, Kay, thank you, and we all love you. (laughs) North Carolina basketball is not about one person and definitely not about one coach. It's about the players and our teams. I hope in a few minutes you'll get to welcome our 81, 82 guys back because they put Coach Smith's first banner up there. And I hope in the second half you'll get even louder and cheer harder. Let's beat these guys in red a hell of a lot more. Wanda, say the least, Scott, our son, we didn't want him to come because the two boys had basketball games today. There's no way I could live with myself if I made my grandson miss a game. (laughs) 
So thanks to my family, my former players, and there's some of them up there today, some of them here today. I love you. And I'd like to thank all the assistant coaches and some of those guys who are here today, Coach Green, back here, Coach Holiday. You still see Eric and Brad. How about Hubert Davis? I do like the shoes too, Michael. I like those. <laughs> Folks, from the bottom of my heart, deep into my soul, I am a Tar Heel, and I will always be a Tar Heel. So, the, so in the halftime speech, you hear Roy Williams reference the people that were close to him and the people who wanted him to be there for something, to honor him. And we actually talked to him ahead of the NC State game about this particular thing and, and having it come about. And, and But you also communicated him a, with him a little bit about this, right? Yeah, I think the way that Roy started his farewell press conference didn't sit right with a lot of people who care about him. Again, because he was thinking about those last two seasons and his inability to connect and motivate the players in the way that not only he was accustomed to, but wanted to. It was almost like, Joe, getting to the end of your career and and they say to you, you'll know when it's time to go, right? Mm -hmm. And Roy was the one who saw it. Like, hey, I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried being good cop. I've tried being bad cop. I use my old techniques. I use my new techniques. I've left them alone. And nothing seemed to really get the team to the spot where he wanted it to be and had been accustomed to with so many of his both Kansas and Carolina teams. So I think he saw the end in a very specific way while everyone else who cares about Carolina basketball and cares specifically about Roy Williams and worked with Roy Williams, you know, Eric Hoots, who's been a part of the program for the past two decades. You're talking about um, Clint Gwaltney, who has been, you know, his right hand man there in the athletic department and someone he has a great relationship with. And these are the kind of people who said, that's not the way you should go out. You, you the, Your last time in the Smith Center shouldn't be you beating yourself up in a press conference. It should be with the fans around you and with some adulation. So Roy retires April 1st. Yeah. April 2nd, he goes to Bubba Cunningham and Clint Gwaltney and says, you know what? I don't want you to make any a big deal about this retirement, but but when we play state at home, I want to make sure you honor me before we play state at home. Right? That's what happened, right, Roy? This has been in the plan since since four two. About as far off. This is, that's your like your whole personality. It's about as far off as it could possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it was really driven uh, by the people, K Chase, Eric Coots, people here. They said, Coach, we need more closure than just a press conference. And uh, and they came to me and told me the date. And I didn't even ask who we were playing at first. And I said, well, who do we play? <laughs> and they said state. And I said, oh, my gosh, it sounds good to me. But it, it was really, really just uh, that's exactly what happened. There's nothing else to it or whatever. But uh, if it'll help our club play well, that'll be good. If it'll help the fans get a little more fired up, that'll be good. But my guess is if you were Davis and the North Carolina basketball team will be really enthused to play North Carolina State, uh, uh, a big rival, 30 minutes down the road, I think my guys, uh, Coach Davis and the staff, I think everybody will be really fired up and hopefully it'll be a great college game. Roy Williams, 
Joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, that's Joe Vias. I'm Joe Giglio. Speaking of closure, you made a trip back to Kansas where you began mm-hmm. your coaching career, head coaching career. And the internet was a buzz. I know you missed this on Twitter. We've established that you legitimately don't have Twitter. <laughs> I don't have any idea what I missed, so it's good. And Wanda doesn't have a burner account. We 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 know all these things now if you if you listen to Roy, that dadgum legend, the podcast. You wore a black mock turtleneck to the game at Kansas at uh, Fog Allen Fieldhouse there. Do you, do you know now people took a picture and compared it to the black mock turtleneck you wore at the Kansas-Memphis National Championship game in 2008? So my question for you, as a man who knows where every suit went and what your record was in every suit that you wore, was that the same black mock turtleneck that you wore no. in San Antonio in 08? No. And it's probably surprising to you, but some people can wear the same size that they did 14 years ago, but that was not the same one. I, was, uh, I do lie. I have a Carolina blue turtleneck. I have a black turtleneck. I have a cream-colored turtleneck, but uh, I've never worn one to coach a game unless it was an exhibition game. If the game counted on your record, I always wore a coat and tie until last year or so because of covid uh, but, uh, no, that was not the same one. That one's probably three or four, uh, uh, three or four models down from that one 14 years ago. But it was the same size, you're saying. You just, it's okay. You yeah. can get a shot in at me. Yeah. It's fine. I can't wear anything from 08, Roy. Oh, we, <laughs> we actually had that debate when we saw the mock turtleneck. Jillio challenged me. He's like, there's no way you still have something from that time frame that still fits you. I went and found a V-neck. We'll just say it's very snug. It was very snug. I put on. I've also put on some weight too. No, if it, it, it was the same color, but it was not the same one. But I mean, all 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 kidding aside, um, it was neat to see you at Kansas and uh, mm-hmm. the ovation that you got, and obviously what Kansas means to you as well. Do you think that uh, that fans that have come up to you, you know, from 2008 to where things are now, they have a better understanding now? about what happened and, and your association and relationship with Kansas and what that means to you? Like, now bygones are bygones? Well, I think time heals a lot of wounds, especially when the wounds are not, uh, uh, have a lot of foundation behind them. You know, and I mean, I'm sure that North Carolina people were, well, I know there some North Carolina people were upset when I didn't come back the first time, and Kansas people were upset when I did come back. And But, you know, we're talking about people, and we're talking about their lives and their families and things like that. And so things change and uh, people understand things more as time goes on. And, you know, even the sticker, that was the most ridiculous one I've ever dealt with in my life. Not even close. There's now, nothing even a close. Do you still have the sticker? Roy, I'm a little, I will admit that there was part of me because, you know, I, I love levels of petty. I was I was a little saddened that under, you know, with the mock turtleneck and everything that you didn't have a Kansas sticker on that on that hey, turtleneck. Somebody team. handed me one. <laughs> I'm serious. Somebody handed in, in stupid old Roy. I mean, they're handing me stuff, and I signed one. So they handed one over my shoulder, and I signed it. They said, no, but we want you to put that one on. And I just set it down. It didn't, didn't answer anything. But think of this, guys. In 93, I'm coaching at Kansas, and we lose to North Carolina. Okay? And I stayed and watched Coach Smith win his second national championship, and I was waving a, a blue pom-pom. Okay? It's the same thing. In 08, I lost to Kansas, and I stayed and watched 
I mean, come on, it was, it was a whole thing. And former players are one that asked me to put it on. So I said, yeah, I was a former player, and I'll do more for players than I would for anybody. But I, I really did think that that one was – and it was media-driven a lot, too, because some people really didn't like it, but it was mm, there. Yeah, blame the media. Roy, come on. I don't, I don't know about Just that because – and Adam Gold can back me up on this. Back when Adam yeah. and I were doing radio, we took like three days' worth of phone calls from angry uh-huh. UNC fans. Oh, and I'm, like we we were ready to move on, but people were still calling. Like I still want to talk about Roy and that sticker. Well, then they need to see why didn't they why didn't they expect the Kansas people to go crazy when I was waving yeah. Carolina blue pom pom? So yeah. that's that's my whole thing. But it's that was so uh, in in my mind, and I did say this in front of my mind. That was the most ridiculous thing ever. But you know, uh, one time a guy that hired me said it's not immoral to love two institutions, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was that was that uh, was. Good for me to hear. I was glad to see that I wasn't immoral as everybody. But you know, come on. I mean, that was that was a hundred years ago. God Almighty! I even had more black hair than him. So I'm <laughs> right. not going to get involved in anybody arguing about a daggum sticker or something because that was in my mind. And uh-huh. I, I'm human. I have the right to have my own opinion. That was the stupidest freaking thing I ever <laughs> dealt with. But uh, no, going back to Kansas. The reason I went back is simple. I go to the Hall of Fame inductions mm-hmm. to honor Paul Pierce. And while I was up there, Paul Pierce. Uh, Wayne Simeon, Greg Gurley, Terry Nooner, a bit with all those guys, and they brought it up. And I said, yeah. I mean, I'm two for seven right now because I've tried to make seven trips, and I've only been able to make two of them. I tried to go to uh, see King Rice's Monmouth team play. King played for us here. COVID got them. Mm-hmm. I tried to go see Jared Haas, Stanford team. COVID got them. I tried to go see Tubby Smith, just a great friend at High Point. COVID got them. Mm. Then I tried to go to Kansas and Michigan State and made both of them. And last week I tried to go to West Virginia and uh, to Cincinnati. And weather got both of them. The reason I was going to Cincinnati because West Miller, former player, and the reason I wanted to go to West Virginia is because Bob Huggins is a great friend. And uh, we had talked about, I told him one time, the only two places that I didn't get to coach that I would have loved to have coached a game was at West Virginia because I think their fans are fantastic and the pit in, in New mm-hmm. Mexico. And those are the only to every other place for the Palestra to UCLA to Notre Dame. I mean, I, I got the coaching game in all those other places, but those are the two. And so I wanted to try to go because Bob was such a good friend. And so I'm now I'm circling around trying to go see if I can uh, make those a second time, <laughs> but I'm two for seven on my first, uh, first seven visits. That wouldn't get me in the starting lineup in baseball. Roy Williams, North Carolina, former North Carolina basketball coach joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius. Quickly to that point, I am curious. You know, as you've stepped away from coaching and you've two of the seven, but you've gotten to do at least two of them. Is there a, a different appreciation for the game or, you know, you say time heals all wounds, but I'm just talking about it from a perspective as a basketball person being mm-hmm. out of it and just being an observer. How has that changed your perspective? Well, it was, it's crazy. I mean, first thing, I definitely miss it, guys. I mean, I miss the coaching. I miss the locker room. I miss the practices. But I made the decisions for the right reasons for me, and I'm at peace with that. But in saying that, when I went to Kansas, you know what I got to see? I had never seen the rock chalk chant mm. done completely. I mean, they always did it, you know, in pregame warm-up when I was in the locker room, or they did it late in the game where we had the game won, and I still wouldn't pay any attention to it. Uh, I saw the students and how involved they were. For 15 years, I just knew they were really loud. And, but seeing the uh, the organization and, and here I'm, I've never understood didn't realize that the guys and girls on the risers uh, 
they are so active and they stand. And you know what they do at halftime? They sit down. <laughs> and that's the thing that I've really noticed. The pageant, I told Wanda, I said, do they do that all the time? She said, yeah, I've been watching it for 18 years. <laughs> said, you ought to pay attention during the games. And I said, well, I did, but I paid attention to something else. It was that 54 by 90 foot length out there. But uh, that's the biggest thing is noticing what goes on during the, the basketball games because I've never, you know, I mean, they, you know, in football, I know they put the helmet under the Coca-Cola bottle and, you know, and I will always try to pick it. It used to be easier. I don't know if they've gotten better or I've gotten older. But, uh, you know, in football, I would know some things go on, but I have so many different things. And at uh, Michigan State, and Tom Izzo is a great friend. I thought their crowds were always great. And we played up there uh, in an ACC Big Ten Challenge, and we were fortunate enough to win the game as one of the three greatest charges I've ever had any player take when uh, Marcus Page took one up there. But I didn't. I wanted to go see the Izzo, you know, in the shirts. They gave me three T-shirts. If they had given it to me before the game, I would have put it on and worn it during the game. But that's the biggest thing. And then – the other thing, and Joe, maybe more about what you're getting to is I do watch what's going on on the court differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always looking at the score now. I'm nervous about the outcome of the game here. I look at the score every second, you know, and when I was coaching, I never looked at the score until I tried to see the last four or five minutes of the game, but I would always know how much time was left in the half or things like that. In the first half, I would usually look up at the scoreboard as I walked out, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's different, and I do. I feel more pressure. I'm more nervous during the games now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. During Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski's farewell season, towards the end when people would ask, what, what is it going to look like when you're no longer the head coach? He used the word hover a couple of times. Now, you and I can interpret what hover means, but we can look across the way and wonder if, if it was maybe a reference to Roy Williams being at all the games as a fan with Wanda, being around Hubert Davis. But this is something that we talked to Roy Williams about during the season. And when he decides to say something, be around, give advice, etc. And it all sounds very much like Roy Williams comfortable with his current state in the UNC program. The toughest part about being the former coach, though, because it feels like to me, you have to. You have a relationship, obviously, with Hubert Davis, mm-hmm. and for you, it has to be difficult to de- to determine when do you help and when do you give Hubert the room that he needs to do his job. Well, yeah, that's something I uh, worried about a lot, uh, concerned myself about a lot because I didn't want to get in the way, and I've uh, probably gone the other direction a hundred miles. Uh, he knows where I am. Uh, you know, I'll go to practice and stay there little while and wave when I leave or come by the office and I'll wave and uh, you know but I, I do uh, uh, really sincerely been worried about that more than anything I want to be a fan I want to sit up there and clap and try to get them their fans going and get our guys going and those kind of things but I don't want to get in the way 
and uh, it's something that uh, has been the only thing that I've worried about. The rest of it I've been fine about, but that's the, seriously the only thing that I've been worried about. But I want to be at the games, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't miss any home games and went up to uh, the Hall of Fame Classic and had uh, three of my buddies with me, and I said, just wait. At the end of the year, we'll be one, two, or three in our league, and we'll have a chance to win the whole thing. And so I really felt that way strongly. And after losing to Purdue and Tennessee, there were a lot of naysayers out there, but I felt that way very strongly. So I do think I still know a couple of things about the game, but Hubert Davis doesn't need Roy Williams' help. And if Hubert Davis does know that, he'll come and say something. You know, it's funny you say the naysayers. I was just about to ask you, you know, you come from a long line of scorekeepers, and I don't know <laughs> if you are still consuming the media coverage the same way, obviously, uh, Coach Smith did or you did while you were there. But I was curious if you had noticed some of the criticism of Hubert early in the season. No, and it's the same thing as I did as a coach. I never, I mean, we stopped getting the newspapers, and I'm not on social media, which you guys still don't hardly believe. I believe it now. Verified you're not on Twitter, yes. I believe it now. Once you showed us the phone, I'm a believer now. (laughs) That's right. They went back on my computer that had been sitting behind my desk for 18 years. I had over 10,000 emails, but I never, you know, I didn't give my email address out to anybody, and I never emailed anybody, but I think it's, I I can't remember if I just said 10, I think it was 18. 18,000. And so they sort of, I said, why ever told me, why don't you just throw the computer away? Won't that solve it? <laughs> so no, I attacked it this year with the media, social media, print media, radio, TV. I just watch the games and form my own opinion. And some people will come and say, did you see this, what they said? And I said, no, and I don't care. And that's one piece of advice I told Hubert about early, early, early. He says, don't get caught up in what everybody's saying. Keep your focus and keep what's satisfying to you in your mind and the heck with what everybody else thinks. But uh, I can't uh, say that I've read any of the junk that people tell me about. And it's funny, Julio, going back to our conversation with Hubert Davis at Operation Basketball, we asked him about the dynamic between Roy Williams, no longer being the head coach, but around and him also trying to make his own mark. And what's interesting about this conversation is I ask him about, all right, we we understand the defined roles with Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski. What is, what is your role going to be? L- little did we know what the future was going to hold for Hubert Davis. You're going to obviously talk a lot about Roy and how he helped you get to this point and, and what he's meant to you. And I think we all kind of, I could see it on your face, obviously. We all kind of understand that. Yeah. Do you think people on the outside really understand how he was able to kind of rebuild the Carolina family and bring them back together in the way that he did when he got back here in 2004? Well, it is. You know, everyone talks about our family, you know, our basketball community. It's real. It's not a slogan. It's it's all bound by relationships and the experiences that we've had um, here at Carolina. And those experiences... It doesn't matter if you play for Coach Smith or Coach Guthridge or Coach Doherty or Coach Williams. You're bound together by those experiences. And so um, that's one of the things that's really important to us. It's the foundation of who we are. It's the relationships. And, you know, a lot of people look at our, uh, our current coaching staff. Every one of our coaches went to Carolina, played at Carolina, and all of our wives went to Carolina. Mm-hmm. And our entire coaching staff is connected to Coach Smith, to Coach Guthridge, to Coach Doherty, and to Coach Williams. And so I really like that. That's what I was looking for. That's what I wanted. 
because it gives our current players, you know, the full body experience of what this place is all about. And um, it's been it's been a really a lot of fun. You talk about that Carolina connection, but you're also tied to Duke and the dynamics between Carolina and Duke are going to change here as yeah. well with yeah. Mike Krzyzewski moving on. His connections to Dean and Roy and the mutual respect between Roy and Kay. How do you view your role or part in this dynamic with Duke going forward with a, with a change in guard over there? I don't even look at it that way. Okay. My job and my role is to do the best that I can do at the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I have done throughout my entire career is I've blocked out all the noise. Mm-hmm. And what I've been asked to do is to coach Carolina. And um, every day, be in the lives of these kids and help them become the best that they can be on the court, off the court, and in the community. And so that's where my focus is. And as, as long as I'm head coach, that's where my focus will be. What did it mean to you when Roy retired and Bubba reached out to the former players, people uh, you know who have influence on the program, and your name was the first name that they mentioned? No, it was great. You know, one of the things that Bubba and the Chancellor wanted to do is they wanted to go on a national search. And I said, that's great. You know, one of the things that my dad has always said that uh, if somebody gives you something, they can take it away. But if you earn it, it's yours. And I welcomed them going through a national search and looking for the next head coach after Coach Williams retired. And so, um, you know, it means a lot that a number of former players felt like that I could step up in this position. It meant a lot that Coach Williams wanted me to be the next head coach. Uh, but it also meant a lot to still be a part of this program. You know, I, I had grown up, but I always wanted to be a part of Carolina. Mm-hmm. And to say that I got to play here, I got to go to school here and graduate, then I was an assistant coach for nine years, and then now I'm the head coach. It's a pretty cool deal. So we know how the rest of the regular season goes. North Carolina turns it around. They have the greatest win in rivalry history to close out the year. And then the rest is gravy, right? Rest is gravy. Well, it could have been if they had failed afterwards. Like it would have been easy for that team to to win the game in Cameron and say, you know what? That was our Super Bowl. We don't need to do anything else. We could just walk this thing off. Yeah. But I think they actually used that performance as a as a lift for their confidence and to realize, hey, if we could do this to Duke at Duke on the biggest setting, we can run through this thing. And I think they use that not not you know, obviously they lose the game to Virginia Tech in Brooklyn, but the way that they beat Virginia mm-hmm. in the first game they played up in the ACC tournament. And then the, they get to the NCAA tournament and they were just full of confidence, Joe. And you could just, t- it was palpable. You could just see it. It was business. And it was something that yeah. that fed off of their attitude going into Cameron Indoor Stadium. And we talked to Roy Williams before the final four was set. Yeah. We talked to Roy Williams about the possibility of, hey, like, what would happen if Duke and Carolina meet again, but this time in the final four? I, do, do, do you get more nervous? Are the stakes higher? How does it go about it? And Roy Williams, come to find out, had a very similar attitude to how Hubert Davis approached that first game. It's all business. They just want to win the next game. Oh, yeah, that's that's one they'll remember forever. But mm. very not like what you're saying at all was when we had 09, when we had Michigan State. 
in the in the championship game. Remember, yeah. they were talking about how bad the economy was in Michigan and how this was going to be great. And I said, let's let it stay bad for another forty eight hours. <laughs> and uh, right. what I told our guys, I said, yeah, we beat them by twenty last time. We can beat them by thirty this time. And that's exactly what I said. And so it'd be that kind of thing. It, I would love. I would take that. I think uh, that Duke's uh, staff would take that. So would our staff take that? I mean, at this stage in the season, I never cared who we were playing. I just knew that we were still playing. And the fact that we had beaten Michigan State so easily in Ford Field or whatever it was before, and Tommy Izzo was such a great friend of mine and a guy I respect greatly. But I just felt like that we were the better team. We would want to beat them again. And that's the message I tried to send to the team for those 48 hours. It's, yeah, they, they, I'm not too concerned about the economy in Michigan. I'm concerned about uh, the way our team is playing, and uh, we played our butts off again. This is coming from the guy who actually ruined the only chance for, for us to see Carolina and Duke in the NCAA tournament before. This is true. Kansas beats Carolina in the 91 Final Four, and we're, we're deprived of a Carolina-Duke final. So I, I would expect nothing less from you, Roy. <laughs> well, we, we had that final in 91. Even yes, you nobody did. Remembers Grant Hill made everybody some kind of play it. on you. Yes. Yeah, everybody thinks it was Vegas. And nope. You beat Vegas in the national championship game. There was another game after that game, but everybody thinks that was a national championship game. But uh, uh, it was. Uh, How many free throws did this? Kansas miss in that game? Oh, it wasn't as bad as it was in 03. 03, okay. we were like 11 for 30 or something like that. I was just testing. But I do you. remember this. Yeah. First tip, we tipped the ball to our number two man. And he throws it to our point guard, who happened to be standing in the backcourt. So we have a turnover two seconds into the game in 91 in Indianapolis against Duke. I think it had to be the quickest turnover in NCAA history. This was the most anticipated matchup in the history of the Final Four. And somehow, it still lived up to the hype. Coach K's farewell tour comes to an end against his arch rival during Hubert Davis's first season. Sports do not get any bigger or better than that. Duke led by three at the half and starts strong. Paolo Bencaro dunk, puts Duke up seven. But just when it looked like Duke might pull away, Caleb Love happened. Another signature hot streak from Love. The sophomore scores eight points during an 11-0 run. To the final minutes, clutch shot making continues. Wendell Moore Jr. puts Duke up one with a minute 30 to play. Then who else? All you need is Love. Caleb Love, clutch three in the final minute. Game high, 28 points as UNC sends Coach K into retirement, 81-77 the final. We was down three at halftime, and we was just stuck together. Uh, we never wavered. Our confidence never wavered. Uh, even when they hit big shots when we went down, uh, it didn't matter. We was always stuck together, and we came out on top. Think about the experiences that I've been able to have. I had always dreamed of being a part of this program and to think that I got to play for them, to think that I got to come back and be an assistant coach. And now I'm the head coach of North Carolina, and we're in the national championship game. I've been blessed yeah, to be in the arena. And when you're in the arena, you're either going to come out feeling great or you're going to feel agony. But you always will feel great about being in the arena. I'm sure that that's the thing when I'll look back that I'll miss. I won't be in the arena anymore. But damn, I was in the arena for a long time. Coach K proud of his team, and he should be. They had the world of expectations on them, and they delivered this march. They just ran into a team that has something special, and that's what's defined this Carolina group the last few weeks. Hubert Davis says it doesn't do any good for them to dwell on beating Duke. They got a national championship to prepare for. They take on Kansas next. Pat Walter, 
WRAL Sports, New Orleans. Angelio, outside of winning the championship, which did not occur, I'm not really sure what more you could have asked for in terms of Hubert Davis's first season or the year that Roy Williams had in terms of retirement. No, it would have been impossible, especially the way that the season started for Hubert Davis. You know, they lose the games where the, the fans are most interested in Purdue, Tennessee, Kentucky, the, you know, the unusual circumstance of the Kentucky game. UCLA was supposed to be the opponent. And of course, they would end up playing UCLA and beating them in the NCAA tournament. Um, but then they had that week, Joe, where they played Miami and Wake Forest on the road. And you thought, well, this will tell us who Carolina is. They end up getting pounded by, by Miami by nearly 30 points. They end up losing by 22 at Wake Forest. And you're thinking, well, they're four and three in the league. This team will go 12 and eight in the conference and maybe not make the NCAA tournament. Because at that point, you're wondering who the heck are they going to beat that will be good enough to get them into the NCAA tournament. Well, turns out it was Duke. Turns out it was Virginia Tech. They get the two big road wins. They get into the tournament, and the rest is history from there. All right, so if we're still doing this thing in, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I'm assuming we're going to do a Hubert Davis podcast. The way that it started, I think there's a pretty good story to tell. And I'll tell you what, the most impressive thing to me about Hubert Davis this season was that he did it on his own, in his own way. You know, look in the tournament itself. They beat UCLA by by beating UCLA at their own game, which is on the defensive side. They beat Duke by beating Duke at their own game, which was on the offensive side. And there was a lot of flexibility there. There was a lot of willingness, and you saw in that final game, the loss to Kansas, the energy on the sideline from Hubert Davis, the intensity, and not directed towards the officials and not putting on a show, but really you could see his emotional investment in his players. And the biggest challenge for him is going to be how do you continually turn the roster over in the new world of college basketball? Because quite frankly, that was something that Roy Williams was not interested in doing. And when you're North Carolina, though, and you see the value of adding a Brady Manic and what what that type of player can do, even only being on campus for one year, you realize this is the new reality of college basketball. And I think from what we've seen in one year from Hubert Davis, he's equipped to handle it. This has been the Roy That Dadgum Legend Podcast. This podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.